Baruch Haba, listeners. Uh, this is Scott. And this is Brad. And this is not about us. All right. Thank you. Baruch Haba. I think I'm going to keep that. I really like it. Probably be in every... Of my gen, all of my Genesis podcast from here on out. I love it. I it's kind of like the same with uh, Michael Rood. He has uh, uh, a goodbye prayer at the end of um, most of his videos, and uh, I just I love it. I love hearing the Hebrew. It's just <laughs> I don't know. It it almost feels like going home, even though I don't necessarily understand what you're saying. It just but it does. It sounds right. Well, good. I'm glad it glad it uh, speaks to you that way. Uh, so I'll keep doing it. <laughs> Good. <laughs> but uh, this is Genesis 21, our 21st podcast. Whoa. Not not Genesis chapter 21, our 21st podcast on Genesis. That's pretty cool. All right. We're just cruising right along. I need to count and see. I bet we're getting fairly close to 75. Maybe we've even passed it. Total podcast. Oh, total, yeah. I need to, I need to count because we need to celebrate that when it happens. I'm waiting. For, I'm hitting a century. Um, I'm waiting for a hundred. Oh my goodness. Oh, you know, it, it's weird though. Yeah. I mean, uh, nobody celebrates like, Hey, it's our 83rd podcast, <laughs> that big milestone, you know, why not? But you know? honestly, <laughs> every single one of them does surprise me because as we've mentioned before, I didn't really think we would get past 10. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, I'm so glad that we did, but well, Brad, at this point, uh, could you please thank the one who who brought us this far, who the one responsible for all of this, uh, the one who proves this is not about us. My pleasure. Yahweh. Yeshua. Spirit. Oh, we're just amazed by you. I'm still flying high because we just recorded Revelation and I'm still thinking about just how perfect and amazing and wonderful you are. It just it boggles my mind the concept of you and your unfailing love for us who do not deserve you. You do not need us. We need you. Oh, amen. You do not need us, but you want us. You want us and we don't always want you. Oh, Lord, forgive us. Forgive us for that. Yes. But thank you, Lord God, because that's truth. But you still love us. It'll boggle my mind. Probably forever. But one thing I know, I am so grateful. So grateful that you do. Lord God, we're sitting down for the 21st... <laughs> for podcast number 21 the 21st podcast all about genesis our origins the story of you at our beginning it's been awesome and i want that to continue so will you be here with us and guide us to the truth that you want our listeners to know and the truth that you want us to know. 
as always, we give you the seat of honor. We love you. We give you as much glory as we possibly can. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that. All right. So, Genesis 4.10 is where we are. Uh, We have just passed the point of no return as far as Cain has killed Havel. And murder has shown its face on the earth for the first time. So, here we are, God confronting Cain about that. And I'm going to read... I'm going to read a few verses here. I'm not exactly sure how far I'm going to get today. I think it'll just be these few, but uh, we're going to time it out and see. Uh, Genesis 4, 10 through 12. And he said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries unto me from the earth. And now cursed are you from the earth, which has opened her mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the earth, it shall no, it shall not henceforth yield unto you her strength. A fugitive and a wanderer shall you be in the earth. That's pretty harsh right there. Right, you know, I mean... I'm not say it's not deserved, but I mean, just right now, it's very, it's very heavy. I suppose that's a good word for it. My first thought was kind of dread because he cannot self-sustain. He's going to be at the mercy of other people. Yeah. And yes, I don't want to be at the mercy of other people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I want to be at the mercy of God. So, yeah, I mean, I, I immediately, when you were reading that, I've heard that verse I've read that verse. I've heard the verse many, many times. But for some reason, right now, when you were reading it, that's what I got was just a sense of dread. Huh. Mm-hmm. That's very good. That's going to lead into what we've, what we're going to talk about here too. And I'll, I'll, I'll give the ending at the beginning, so to speak. Uh, we're going to start to lean more into how I feel that Cain or Cain. Uh, is becoming where we've mentioned before, I I believe anyway, he was intended to be a prophetic representation of Jesus and he rebelled against that. And so I think what we're seeing is he's turning into a prophetic image of Lucifer. Oh, which that would make sense. And now we're going to get into this more deeply in future podcasts when we get into Cain's uh, Cain's lineage and that kind of thing, but uh, it is said that basically everything Satan does through mankind on the earth begins and comes through Cain's line. Yeah, uh, and we'll see a little bit more of why people say that and where that comes from in in later podcasts. But it's something to start thinking about as we start here with these verses. I'm going to go back Genesis four ten. And he, meaning Yahweh, said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries unto me from the earth. Now this, when I was younger, it always made me wonder what it was saying. Me too. Yeah, and, and why? You say, you too. What, what is he really saying? What, what jumped out at you with that? Well, the voice of the blood is something that 
I, 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 I never quite understood what that meant. Cause exactly. Yeah. Cause you know, we have, we have an understanding that, um, the way we understand it is when we die, you know, our actual spirit is now with God, mm-hmm. you know, so why doesn't, why doesn't he just say, you know, his spirit is talking to me. His, you know, he's, he's here with me. He's telling me, you're uh, right. You yeah. know, that, that, that's what kind of always boggled my mind. Now I know that blood uh, is a common theme, plays a part in many different things in the Bible. So I'm curious to see what you've got about that today. No, I, I'm, you nailed exactly what I was thinking. This, his brother's blood cries from the earth. And exactly what you were thinking about. Havel himself, uh, he doesn't say, your brother cries to me from the earth. It says, your brother's blood cries to me. So I kind of treated this as a poetic way of saying it. Yeah. But now, you know, the deeper we get into this and the more we understand, you know, the some of the Hebraic roots, the, the words, the meanings behind the words, things like that, and deeper things are coming out. And also just the understanding as I, you know, from from a child until now, the understanding that every word is placed exactly where God wants it and and why there's a reason why he wanted it there. This was said specifically uh, for a reason. And now we're trying to find what is that reason? Yeah. So I know there's more here. I'm doubting I caught much of it in this study, but let's get a little bit deeper in. So the first thing that struck me was exactly what you were talking about, blood. Uh, Now, before I go on any further, I want to go back. uh, The the very first, the the word for man was? Uh, Adam. Adam. And it was pronounced in Hebrew. Do you remember the pronunciation? No, you might need to remind Okay, it's Adam. Adam, okay. Uh, Yeah, so we in English, at least in America, uh, say Adam, uh, but the Hebrew pronunciation was aw, as in A-W, and dom, like you'd spell it phonetically D-A-W-M, Adam. And that's very important. It's going to come up a couple times in this in, in these this study here and and i thought this was pretty cool as i studied this and the first one's going to come up right here blood strong's concordance 1818 and the word for blood is dom oh now i found this interesting it's blood and then in parentheses they put as that which when shed causes death and I was like, is there a different kind of blood? You know, I, I, you know, that, you know, if this blood is shed, no, that's fine. You know, I mean, uh, it's just but, a flesh wound. <laughs> yeah. It was just an interesting way of stating it. The blood of a man or animal by analogy, the juice of the grape. Oh, uh, interesting. Figuratively, it also means blood shed. But that right there, uh, by analogy, the juice of the grape, and I immediately went back to Jesus, at at uh, you know with with his disciples, uh, saying, you know this this is my body, you know this is my blood, and giving them the wine. So it really just puts it more, it, it clarifies it more that he's saying by analogy, 
uh, this is what I mean. And this connection is silly, but a lot of churches use grape juice instead of uh, actual wine nowadays for... <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, but that's dumb. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, just that I was fascinated because uh, Adam, uh, that word comes from... Uh, now, now it's Strong's... Uh, 120 to mean human being but Strong's Concordance number 120 says Adam refers back to 119 Adam pronounced the same way but that means to show blood so here we have Dom is blood now Aleph the first word so Ah Dom, Aleph is the first letter in that, which can mean to teach, or if you think of it that way, to show, to reveal, to to teach someone, to show them the truth. So Adam can mean, I mean, literally in the 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 word itself, the definition is to show blood. And I thought that was fascinating. Dom means blood, Aleph means teach. In Adam's name is is uh, the the word picture as well as the definition to show blood. Yeah. It's to reveal Adam. This brought up Adam's name in a new way to me, just this understanding of Dom as blood. In Adam's name, it was, you can think of it as a way to reveal the blood of Jesus, uh, showing the blood. And in that also, I want to go back, Aleph, and we've talked about this before, as the very first letter, uh, it also refers to Adonai Yahweh. Because uh, we've talked about this before, also uh, letters are numbers in Hebrew, and Aleph is also the number one. And another reason it refers to the Almighty God, you know, Yahweh himself, is because one uh, is in every other number that exists. Uh, every other number is made by one uh just one multiplied into something and uh so so aleph also just refers to yahweh himself and so adam's name can be translated yahweh's blood whoa so i I found that fascinating yeah and I'm not really going to go much further with that, at least not at this time, but that was something that blew my mind, and I'm like, oh, that in and of itself could probably be its own study. Well, yeah, I am already have thoughts bombarding me about the possibility. Now, the word picture I came up with here is just Dalet Mem, and I came up with a couple. One of them was the door to water, and... That in and of itself is pretty cool. The door to water. But another one that struck me is Dalet can mean the pathway or a way of life. Mem can mean to come from, just like water moving down a stream. And both of these things, so both of these letters, Dalet and Mem, individually each have their own meaning of like moving forward on a path. 
you know, the first one, like you think of a, like a, a dirt path or, or, or a road, we would think of today as like concrete or, or steel or, or, you know, modern pathway, sidewalk, something like that. Uh, whereas Mem is like a, a watery path, but still a path, you know, down a stream going one direction, not veering from its course. And so I just had this kind of combination, this, this word blood just has this unified theme of moving down a path. Uh, uh, and, and, and I thought of that as the blood, especially the blood of Christ, uh, leads us down one path. And I thought of that just in the sense of the narrow path and, and Jesus's blood being the only way. Yeah. So that was just sort of a, again, you can call it poetic picture of that, but that's what jumped out at me is the, the word picture in this word blood just all focused on this, this path going one direction, not veering side to side. Yeah, and it's and blood flows through us, going through its path, and, and I, I don't know. I, this could go so many ways. You've got my mind working overtime on this one. <laughs> but no, I I, I I do appreciate that. Um, I mean, we we know that God is a part of our origin. He's a part of everything. But right here, and and he Yahweh's blood. I mean that could also mean that we are Yahweh's blood. We yes. We're, we're <laughs> That's another thing I thought of because let me get back to that. Another thing it can mean Aleph uh, Dom can also mean first blood or original blood. Now that goes back to Adam being the first human being, the first one to have blood. But just what you said, I was going to get back to that. It's like we in and of ourselves have. The blood of God. Yeah. He gave us his life. We have Yahweh's blood within us. I've never really thought about that before, but it's so true. From from the very first, from God to the very first person, that same blood is technically being run through all of us. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, the blood, for those of you who don't know, when, when, um, when man and woman come together and they have a child, the blood of the child comes from the man. Yes. So Adam, when he was first created and God breathed the breath of life into him, the blood of the child came from the father. I mean, think about that. We have Yahweh's blood. I mean, again, physical representation of spiritual truth we have Yahweh's life is really what it's saying the life is in the blood uh but that it just that one word dom connected to adam brought out so many things that are just so cool yeah huh but i'm gonna move on because it's not the only voice i looked up uh and I didn't mean to say it's the only voice I looked up. It's not the only word I looked up. The next word is voice. But, hey, I'm imperfect and I screw up and hallelujah. You spoiled it. <laughs> so the next word, the voice of your brother's blood. Again, going back to this, why did he say it this way? Why Does blood cry out? Is blood speaking? Does it have its own voice? So I wanted to look up this word voice. What does it mean? And it's Strong's Concordance 6963. 
and it's pronounced coal. Uh, kind of like you'd say coleslaw. But it's, uh, it can be spelled one of two ways. Uh, kof lamed or kof vav lamed. But they're both pronounced kol. Now it means to call aloud. So a voice, you think of it that way. A voice or a sound. Doesn't have to be a, a voice in particular. It just can be any sound. Uh, now there are many, many things associated with this. Because it's, it's a sound, it's a crying out, so you can imagine how many things go hand in hand with that and how many ways this can be interpreted. But the one that struck me at this moment in time that, that I want to point out here was one of the things it could mean was a lowing noise. And, and for those of you who don't know, a lowing noise refers to sound of cattle. And, and again... In the Western world, the United States of America, we hear the word cattle and we think of cows. We think of moo, and that, but that is a lowing noise. But it, again, the term cattle refers to any four-legged dumb beast. And this made me think of Havel as the shepherd. Yeah. And his blood now lowing <laughs> like a sheep for the good shepherd. Oh my goodness, Scott. Yeah. Just the sheep crying out for the shepherd to come rescue him. Now, the word picture here, again, we mentioned uh, kof lamed or kof vav lamed. So there's a couple interpretations. First, I did kof lamed. I just, my, the thing that jumped out at me was final prodding. I don't know why, but that's what, that's what just leapt out at me, final prodding. Now, if you add vav to that, uh, you get, at least what I got is, the nail was the final prod. Okay, now, so this is the voice of the blood. But it's not just the blood. It's the brother's blood. Right. So I wanted to check out brother, too. Okay, so this was Strong's Concordance number 251, and it's pronounced awk. Uh, phonetically, they spelled it A-W-K-H, awk. Now, this means brother. Very simple, but it's used in the widest sense of the word. So it can mean either a literal relationship or a metaphorical affinity or resemblance. So this goes back to kind of what we were talking about in the last Genesis podcast. And I'm talking about, to everyone listening, uh... Your brother. Who is your brother? It's everyone. It's all of us. Uh, this is what we, we ended up last time talking about. Uh, where is your brother? Am I my brother's keeper? And just how this, this question was designed for all of us. Where is your brother? So in this case, it's a literal family relationship. Your brother. But I feel God is speaking to all of us again. Your brother's blood cries out to me. It's, it's our brethren out there, our family, all of humanity, our, our brethren. They're all crying out. They're all suffering. And, and I, I think we, in this day and age, need to think of it that way. That our brothers, the blood of our brothers is being spilled out. And what are we going to do about it? But anyway, I'm going to move on from there. 
the word picture for brother. Uh, it's Aleph Ket. Uh, in, in Hebrew, that looks like Chet. And I think I've I pronounced it that way before, but again, I've mentioned before, I'm kind of trying to learn Hebrew. I'm trying to pronounce it correctly. I believe it's pronounced with more of a K sound. Uh, those of you who speak fluent Hebrew, forgive me if I'm screwing it up again. Uh, I'm trying. But uh, Aleph Ket. And one of the possible, well, a couple, impos- uh, couple interpretations I came up with, one of them was just Adonai Yahweh protects. And I thought this was a good good one for brother. You know, I thought of, you know, you're, you're like especially an older brother standing up beside you going, "Hey, that's my it's my brother, it's my family. You're not touching him." I'm picking on my little brother. Exactly, yeah. Uh but I also came up with a few more and these they all I I got a few of this one that all just kind of jumped out. One of them was teach about the fence. I'm going to talk about that a little bit more uh, in a second here. Another one was gently cut off. Uh, these are all possible word pictures that go along with this. And now one of the reasons I thought about those is uh, we've talked about Michael Rood in the past, and, and there's this particular teaching of his where he talks about the Torah as the fence that keeps us safe. This, this is the fence. You stay inside the fence in my protection and you're safe. You go outside the fence where the wolves are, you're in trouble. The wolves will get you. Uh, and so this, I thought, a brother is one who teaches you about the fence. And you can translate it uh, according to that. Who teaches you about the Torah. Yeah. Who teaches you uh, what the instructions are, how to live, how to be good or functioning properly, as we've learned before. And to gently cut off. Uh, I, I had this picture of God in his love cutting us off from our sins. Uh, God coming to us and saying, I love you the way you are, but I love you so much I'm not going to leave you that way. Right. And slowly, gently cutting off our errors, cutting off what is what is bad and what is separating us from him not ripping it off not not angrily beating it out of us but very gently removing that and casting it aside a piece at a time yeah i mentioned something like that uh in one of my word studies in revelation that jesus is continually continually washing us from our sins but it was also uh, the definition was very much delicately, very, you know, yeah. with purpose. He's putting, mm-hmm. but he's continually doing that. And at that time, that blew my mind. This is just kind of re-asserting mm-hmm. that idea that he is continually, gently, he's not going to mess this up. He's he's making sure to give it his full attention, gently removing our sin from us. Yeah. What a beautiful picture. So this is, and and again, this is the word brother. This isn't father. This isn't father God talking to us. This is brother God talking to us. And if you think of it that way. And and the reason I point that out is because I remember uh, at at a church I was going to, one of the kids uh, of, uh, one of the kids there told his dad, he said, so Jesus is 
the son of God, right? He said, yeah. And he said, and, and we've been grafted into the vine. We are heirs of salvation. We're, we're children of God. And he said, yeah. He said, does that make Jesus my brother? And dad was kind of like, never thought about it that way before. But he goes, yeah, yeah, it does. And that's something I've always remembered. And this is the word for brother. And Jesus is as much Yahweh as Yahweh the Father is. So when we say uh, Adonai Yahweh protects, you know, I see that in this picture is Jesus. Yeah. Teach about the fence. I see that as Jesus revealing the Torah to gently cut off. I see that as Jesus, Yeshua. Wow. That's a cool picture. Now, all of that, that's just what jumped out to me at the word brother. It didn't necessarily refer to this particular story, just as a brother. But I put this all together. The voice of your brother's blood. And what I got was the final prod that you will get is the nail from the one who teaches you about the fence, who protects you, and gently cuts you off from the sin which destroys you. It will open the door to the water of life and the pathway of righteousness. Wow. And that is what cries out from the earth. Wow. Now, I want to I stop here for just a second and, and let you guys know who are listening. Last week... Uh, we recorded just a conversation piece. I had not prepared all the week beforehand for this. I had too many other things come up. I was too busy. I had a lot that I had written down about these verses previously in like a year past. And I was honestly thinking about just doing a podcast with what I had had before because I, I re- went back and reread it and I thought, yeah, this is pretty good. I've got a lot here. And, and Brad went no 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 scott you do those word pictures so well you got to go back a little deeper you got it because i had no word pictures i just had thoughts about these verses which i still i have yet to get into so thank you brad for saying no you're not doing this take another week and go back because <laughs> everything i've just shared right here all nearly everything is from this last week going back and looking even deeper good job brad <laughs> <laughs> I remember having that conversation last week. We even suggested maybe we would do one of the podcasts, then you would go back and do more study just so we could do like a comparison of what your old notes and your new notes are kind of like. But I suggested that you kind of do that anyway because you've mentioned before that you have quite a few notes from... Yeah. um, You weren't a baby Christian by any means, but you were definitely not even as far along as you are now. So it's just interesting seeing this, Scott, where you are now, with just even that much more experience and understanding. And to me, it's fascinating because some of that I've heard before. Some of your previous notes I have heard before. Yeah, and I'm about to get into more things here that you've probably heard because they're older notes too and just thoughts about this. But that right there, those those three words, voice, brothers, blood— uh, I just dug into this week, and and I'm glad we held off. Well, and I'll say thank you. I'm glad that you made those connections because you've got me. I, I'm I'm dizzy right now. 
I've got a lot to think about. I really, and I really do appreciate that. So thank you. But uh, what else you got for us? Well, once again, we're going to say, uh, Brad, when God asks a question, is he looking for information? Well, let me think here. He's the God of the universe, knows everything. So uh, no. No, <laughs> no. So God asked a question here. Uh, what have you done? And again, when I was a kid, I always kind of treated this like God going, what have you done? You know, like, oh, what? Like almost like God was shocked and surprised and, and irritated by this. Like, like we would think of someone saying it today. What have you done? We, we humanize God a lot because that's what we understand. Mm-hmm. It's really hard for us to understand God knowing everything. And we, we'll say it. We'll admit that to ourselves. God knows everything. But then we were presented with something like this, and we go, and we humanize him. Yes. And it's just, it's so not true. But you're right. I did the same thing in my early days of Scripture reading. I would see these questions that God is opposing, and I almost think of it as, you know, he teleports in. <gasps> What's happened while I was away? Uh-huh. While I was taking care of the heavenly bodies, what have you done? Exactly, and yeah. It's, it's really not true. Mm-hmm. He knows everything. So, um, yes, continue on. So the question, like all of his questions, is for our sakes. So for Cayenne... It was forcing him to acknowledge what he did following his brother's keeper denial from the last podcast, uh, from verse 9. God knows Cain is directly responsible, and he's making Cain acknowledge it too. What have you done? So he's making Cain answer that question. But this question is for our benefit too. And I'm coming back to that word brother, like we mentioned before. What have you done? Brad, what have you done? Scott, what have you done? Listener, what have you done? You there reading this story in Genesis, listening to this podcast now, what have you done? I wrote a play one time that I've mentioned before uh, titled The Executioner that makes that point that each one of us is directly responsible for the death of Jesus Christ. And I think that's the statement that God's making here. What have you done? What are you guilty of? You are guilty, we are all guilty, of the sin of Cayenne. The Torah explains that if you break any single aspect of the law, you have broken the law entire. You are no different than Cain. Yes. We're all sinners. You could say, no, I've never murdered anyone. Have you ever lied? Have you ever stolen? Uh, have, have, you know, anything you've done makes you guilty of the entire law, including guilty of the sin of murder. And we know that Jesus went on, and, and, and in the New Testament, they went on to say, uh, what we've talked about before, that the physical laws that God gave us were spirit were physical examples of spiritual truths. If you've held hatred in your heart against someone, you're guilty of the sin of murder. God wants us to honestly and correctly answer that question in each of our lives. What have you done? 
And when we realize the answer is, we have murdered Jesus Christ himself, then, then his sacrifice for us becomes something wonderfully powerful, not just something easily blown off and treated as trivial. Yes. I would argue it's the only way you'll actually actually be redeemed is if you understand you are guilty. You deserve the death penalty. You deserve to be the one crucified, not Jesus. But he did it for you while you were piercing him, while Mm -hmm. you were killing him. What have you done? You were piercing him. You were killing him. The answer that you're giving, thank you, Brad, you're giving the answers to, are the answers to that question. Man. So Sorry, did you have more? No, no, no. Just that that that's a point that took me... 30 years to get to was I had to admit that I killed Jesus. And it was only then that I can, that I truly know that I am forgiven. That's why I say you don't deserve his love. You murdered him. Yeah. (laughs) You don't deserve his love. But while you were murdering him, he was pleading on, on your behalf he was saying, no, 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 don't judge them. Judge me. That's amazing. It is, definitely. Now, getting back to, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get back to that, your brother's blood statement. Your brother's blood cries to me from the earth. And, and again, going back to not your brother. Now, we've covered some of that here. But I want to I want to go a little bit different route with that. Say, there's another reason why it's said that way. Like we, like Brad and I have just said, uh, for simplicity's sake, Havel himself, he's in heaven. Now he's not really in heaven at this point. He's in paradise. You know, heaven. You know, rejoining uh, God at His throne in heaven. That didn't open up until Jesus came and shed His blood. You know, on the cross, paid that redemptive price. Uh, was raised back to heaven, but, you know, for simplicity's sake, we're going to call it heaven, you know. Uh, so Havel, he's died on earth, he's gone on. He, the point is, he's not here. He's not directly under the dirt. Um, but Havel's blood is what's crying out from the earth. And what I'm wondering, is this a picture of sin affecting creation for the first time? Uh, Adam's sin kicked him out of the garden and affected all mankind, but it didn't affect the garden. Is part of man's banishment to protect that environment of the garden. God knew man's sin would affect his surroundings as well. Is the blood being shed, spilling all over the earth, is that a picture that man's sin is staining the his environment as well is this the beginning of the earth itself suffering for the sin of man i don't know what do you think just that's a concept i have not considered but this is this is being thrown at me right now so these are candid uh, thoughts but yeah 
yeah that you can you can see on a person's body uh sometimes you can see sin the thing the mm-hmm. things that they are sinning sometimes you can actually see a mark on them from it um I don't want to insult anyone, so I'm not going to go into any sort of details or anything like that. But mm-hmm. you get the idea. You can sometimes you can look at a person and you can go, "They've had a hard life. They've done something. They've you know." That's kind of what's happening here now, but to the whole earth, and it's once again because of our sin. Mm-hmm. We're now starting to see scars. On the earth, we're starting to see marks on the earth from our sin. Uh-huh. Wow, I never really thought about it that way before, but but yeah, yeah. Is this the beginning of the the earth itself suffering because of what we've done? And I'm also thinking, and you know this, Brad, uh, of the fact that the Messiah's blood, like the perfect lamb, example every year was to be spilled on the altar as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So if the lamb was found unworthy, they still killed it. But what did they do? They splattered it all over the, fl- the ground. Splattered it all over the ground mm-hmm. to, to show, to indicate that it was not worthy to cover our sins. So Havel's blood is all over the ground. Uh, I think that it's a picture uh, for us. Uh, Havel was not sinless either. Havel was not a perfect sacrifice to cover our sins. Havel was not the Messiah. Uh, man could not be the Messiah. God had to come as man to be that perfect lamb. Absolutely. It's very easy to say Cain bad, Abel was good. Yeah, but, exactly. But no, no one's good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're all guilty. Um, as you just said, you ever had hatred in your heart? You're guilty. And you're guilty of breaking all the laws. So, yeah, even it's really easy to say Cain bad, Abel good, but no, they they were just like you and me. Mm -hmm. Broken, fallen creatures of this earth. Now, the last thing I want to share before I move on to the next set of verses here is it just struck me. It was the last thing I thought of going over this verse. Well, it wasn't just this verse. It was the fact that Havel is dead now. God, when, um, when you die, how many people are waiting for you on the other side? Your mom, uh, your grandma. Well, you know, I friends. You, you, you talked about you talked about Greg Gall yes, before. Yes. Uh, not to mention the, the Messiah, God Himself. <laughs> but I mean, how many people, loved ones, friends, and people maybe you've never even met. Maybe relatives who who have been watching you from the cloud of witnesses. Maybe maybe people just thousands of years old who who you know paul the apostle you know people you know anyone how many people are going to be on the other side who are going to go it's brad he's here havel went into paradise alone and i don't know whether to be sad about that or to think it's cool i'm torn because he he went in by himself for a while he was the only one there okay i see what you're saying i see what you're saying but i'm also thinking about something i think it's good because he gets to be 
celebrating every single other person that makes it. Yeah. And that's why I didn't want to, I didn't want to mourn at this, but there was like, there was it just, there was this feeling like I didn't know whether to be, is that the neatest thing in the world to be the first guy in paradise? You know, uh, because again, it's not heaven. It, it, it's not in the manifest presence of God, so to speak. Or is it lonely? I couldn't, I, I, I fought with this. I'm, I still don't have an answer. I was just kind of like, this is both awesome and sad. And, and I don't know, you know, God's going to have to show me at some point, you know, no, Scott, you were wrong. This is what happened or whatever. It's just a thought that I had. Yeah, I, I, I definitely see it. I definitely see it both ways. I mean, think about, though, how much greater his joy would have been when the next people started joining. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, I mean, yes. And he would have been there to greet them, too. Yeah, he may he may have been alone for... And, and I don't know how it works because I'm a linear being, but I, I, comforted, I comforted my mom with her death by explaining what I believe to be truth. This is from me. But when you stop being a linear being, time no longer has any meaning. So when you're there, when, when she died, I told her, when you die, you pass away, you're going to be there. You're going to just be meeting your Savior and turn around. And even though I might have continued on this earth for another 40 years or more, you'll turn around and there I'm going to be. Because I, I agree with that. I don't think. No, I'm with you on that. You know, I don't think as linear beings that we can understand what it's going to be like, but it, it's not time as we know it. Mm-hmm. So, But at the same time, not to <laughs> use that word, you know, wrongly here, but uh, same time, he walked into it by himself. Yeah. Even if he turned around and, hey, there was whoever, uh, he walked into it, and I'm just, I'm trying to wonder... I guess this is just this is kind of the poetic me. Yeah, I mean this this is really the the just the thinking about. It. I, I suppose it's not that important overall, but I just had this concept of what would it be like to be the first person ever to walk into that situation. I so I suppose it's just me philosophizing about that. But it's so interesting though. It's such yeah. an interesting thing to consider. You're getting into my realm. <laughs> getting into my thought process. So, okay. So, well, I'll just I'll just kind of throw that out there and move on to Genesis four eleven and twelve. Real quick, what's going on? I do a Hebrew word study in my last revelation, and and you're doing <laughs> you're painting pictures of emotional things. What's going on here? <clears throat> I know. Stick to your side. What's what's up? Um. So Genesis 4, 11, 12. And now cursed are you from the earth, which has opened her mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the earth, it shall not henceforth yield unto you her strength. A fugitive and a wanderer shall you be in the earth. Now, the only word I looked up here was the one that jumped out to me because it's repeated three times. And that's earth. And what I found was interesting. Well, first of all, let me rephrase uh, in case you're reading from another translation. Uh, as always, I'm reading from the Hebraic Roots version. 
Now, cursed are you from the earth, there's one, which has opened her mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the earth, there's two, but in the King James Version, it says ground and not earth. So for those of you who are following along, it might not say earth three times in yours. Uh, it shall not henceforth yield unto you her strength. A fugitive and a wanderer shall you be in the earth. Now, what I found out was usages one and two come from the same word. Usage number three is a different word. And that I found fascinating here. So I've actually got two Hebrew words from one English word. Uh, now, let me start this before even getting into that by saying this verse was very difficult for me to wrap my head around all my life and it still is to a degree i i i'm I'm getting it more and more to a point but i'm still kind of lost by it on a simple direct level i get it it's punishment for cayenne and his actions he murdered god's the judge this is the penalty boom you know there you go on one level it's as simple as seeing that a criminal was sentenced to life in prison or the like but there's other stuff that it's saying elsewhere and i'm going to get into just a second here and now i'm going to go back to these words earth now the first two usages of the word earth we've mentioned before it's the word eretz eretz and it's strong's concordance number 776 and this is the word that used when God said he created the heavens and the earth. So we've mentioned it before in these podcasts. And it can mean earth as in land or earth as in the planet. Uh, it can mean a country, a field, or it can mean just the ground. And this is why, you know, the King James Version, the second time, so it uses ground. It's a totally correct translation. Uh, idiomatically, it can also refer to something that is common it can refer to nations or it can for, refer to the wilderness. Uh, we've, we've mentioned this before, uh, the word picture, uh, Aleph, Resh, Sade. Uh, and we mentioned before that uh, a word picture I came up with because we were talking about the heavens and the earth. God created the heavens and the earth. So I came up with Adam, the world's first leader, fell to desire. That fit for being on the earth. Uh, the leader's firstborn, Yeshua, is needed. That felt, I mean, we've, we've mentioned this before. I mean, maybe some of you are remembering it, but it has been in other podcasts. But I came up with a new one for this particular uh, case. And what I came up with is Adonai Yahweh being the most important is inescapable. And I thought that was a good translation, a good word picture for this particular punishment. It's that Cain could not escape the fact that he's not the most important. And when he tried to make himself the most important, when this was all about him, this is what happened. He could not escape the fact that Adonai Yahweh is most important. Yeah. Any more to go with that yeah? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to move on if you have more thoughts. You look like you're deep in thought right now. No, I'm just putting it all together from previous podcasts where we've talked about how uh, Cain was being, you know, falling into his selfishness. He was supposed to be 
uh, this physical example of the Messiah and all of this kind of stuff. Instead, he chose a different path. He chose selfishness. And right here, he's getting the hard knock lesson of his life. Mm-hmm. No, you're not the most important, and you cannot escape the one who is. Yeah. No, I. but that's it. Just that was a cool picture summing up some of the things we've learned previously. Okay, and I want to make a brief correction here. Uh, I just want to make sure that word Eretz, that comes from, that's the last earth used there. I believe I mentioned it was the first two. But no, the last word, a fugitive and a wanderer shall you be in the earth. That is Eretz. Uh, again, same word that God used. He created the heavens and the earth. So he, so he's basically a fugitive on this planet. Uh uh, and a wanderer. But now the first two. Uh, and now, cursed are you from the earth, which has opened her mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. And when you till the earth or ground, this comes from Strong's Concordance number 127. Now, I told you at the very beginning of this podcast to remember the word Adam. It's going to come up again here. Uh, cursed are you from the earth. The word is Adama. And it means soil. It doesn't mean earth as in the planet in the same way that the other one does. It means the soil itself. So again, this is talking about cursed are you from the soil, which has opened her mouth to receive your, your brother's blood. This is more... A little more personal, intimate, and direct. Earth, the planet, is vast ball. You are, you know, a fugitive and a wanderer. Shall you be on the planet? You can think of it that way. But this is cursed are you from the soil itself. And when you till the soil, it shall not henceforth yield unto you her strength. So there is a difference here. And you can understand in the English why we would use earth for both words. Right. Uh, but again, this is another reason I like to go back to the Hebrew to get the differences here that we just don't see in English. But it comes from soil because of its general redness. Uh, and it can also mean earth, as in soil, ground. It can also mean husbandman, someone who works the soil. Now, this is fascinating to me because... Adam, 120, Strong's Concordance 120, which means a human being, it says comes from 119, Adam, to show blood. Adama, meaning soil, also comes from 119 to show blood. They're both connected to the same root. That's... And again, soil, because of its redness, it looks like it's showing blood. And I just had this image here, almost like a fable, you know, like a myth, you know, and, and I don't want to go there and, and explain this is what happened, but it, it, it just gave a picture to me of this, of the blood of Havel spilling on the earth. And this is where the, the, the name of soil came from because of its bloody look, you know, the right. redness of the soil. Now, I'm not saying that's it. Don't get me wrong just kind of a poetic feeling to it. But there is a connection here. There is definitely a connection. 
to Adama and Adam and Dom. And it all is connected to the blood. Now the word picture here, Aleph, Dalet, Mem, He, is essentially Adam plus He. So Adam, a ways back when we first looked up that word, I came up with the word picture, God provides the pathway through the water. So this time, I just added hey, and I came up with behold, God provides the pathway through the water. And when I, when I, as soon as I wrote that down, the first thing I thought of was the Red Sea crossing. Uh, and I thought this was a good picture. The earth, the soil, look, just behold, look and see. God has provided a way through the water, splitting the water up and showing the earth beneath and allowing uh, the nation of Israel to cross safely on his path through the water, which in and of itself is a picture of baptism and crossing over uh, into Jesus, into salvation. So this all is just connected to me, Adama, Adam, Dom, it's all connected. It's all revealing part of the same picture. Any thoughts on that? Yes. <laughs> but they're unrestricted, uncan- they're candid, they're, they're just coming to me. So soil is connected to Adam, uh, connected to Adam, to all this kind of stuff. We came from the dust of the earth. I was going to bring that up too, yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm just seeing a connection there. We came from the dust of the earth, but the, the, the soil, the dust of the earth, also mm-hmm. um, is now bloodied after the murder and all this. I, I, I mean, like I said, they, they're unrestricted thoughts, but these are just what's bombarding my head right now. This connection of us and soil and us and earth and us and blood and us and all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. And on a side note, I love that feeling when you do it to me too and and your (laughs) other one, when it's like, oh my gosh, you just hit me with something and boom, fireworks are going off in my head, but they are fireworks. They're not a linear, cohesive thought. They're just there and there and there. Oh, wow, that's that's a cool feeling. (laughs) It, it It really is. You've done it to me far more times than I've probably done it to you um, back before we were even doing these podcasts. And I would go home and just have to sit there and go, huh, wow, huh, what does that mean, huh? (laughs) And you still do it to me now. (laughs) All right, well, let's do it some more if we can. Uh, Now, as I said at the beginning, this was difficult for me to wrap my head around because on one hand, it's just a simple punishment. You know, um, you did bad, I'm slapping your hand. You know, I mean... You know, how dare you murder? So I'm, I'm hurting you. I'm punishing you by doing this. But what does the punishment mean? I mean, why did God choose this? I mean, I mean, think about it. God could have killed him. God could have said, you killed your brother. I'm going to kill you. God, there's a lot of punishments that God could have done. He chose this for a reason. Why? What did it mean? God didn't just banish him like he did Adam. Uh, Adam was sent into a worse situation. You know, the earth 
was not as plentiful and as self-sustaining as the garden, and he was going to have to work the field instead of just enjoying the garden's fruit. But it was not specific to wherever Adam went. He was, just, he was kicked out of the garden, but it's not like the punishment sort of followed him. It was just, um, you know, you're kicked out, and now your punishment's over. So, and in one sense, I mean, he, he lived on earth for the rest of his life, but it was kind of like, boom, there's your punishment. At Cain's kind of feels like, oh no, this one's going to follow you. Yeah, you can never escape it. And again, it goes back to that, what we just talked about, not escaping the fact that Yahweh is the most important. But it, it, do you see what I'm trying to say? Cain's punishment feels like it's chasing Cain. It's following Cain. Yeah, he's always got to look over his shoulder. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this seems to me to say if Cain goes into a lush plain and he tills the earth there, it'll dry up and the earth won't yield anything because Cain touched it. You know what I mean? Uh, it, it's like he just wanders into an area and it dies. His punishment is he is a curse Yeah. to the earth. Uh-huh. Does that make sense? No, oh, it makes total sense. So it just dries up and becomes barren because he works it specifically. You know, that didn't happen with Adam. He was just, okay, you can't be there, but, you know, just go do your thing, you know, well, anywhere else. But but this also ruins any potential chance he has to uh, be with his family, to be with a community. No one's going to say, uh, yes, come on in, and then suddenly their land is spoiled and they can't grow anything, they can't survive themselves. Mm-hmm. No, they're going to kick him out. <laughs> He's not going to be able to be a part truly be a part of any community or yeah anything ever again no that's very good i hadn't considered that either that especially with his own family i mean even if his own family had said we forgive you come back now i mean they would suffer too by keeping him there because yes. everything would die yes uh and it's like he does he is he's separating him he, he's saying you are death itself and this kind of goes back to what I'm saying before. This leads me back to, I see a parallel between Cain and Lucifer. So is that what it's telling me? The sinner's actions are fruitless? Uh, whatever Satan does will not bear fruit? If I am engaged in sin, wherever I go, no matter how lush the environment, my actions will never bear good fruit? Is this the prophetic picture that I am supposed to see in my life? I feel like that might be a part of it, is, is the fact that not just am I seeing a picture of Cayenne as Satan, but I'm seeing the, a picture of Cayenne as me. Yeah. And what I was saying was that sin is keeping him apart from being be, truly being a part of anything else. Yeah. He can never actually be a part of it because... Of the sin. And our sin keeping us separated from the life of Jesus. Yeah. Until we can get rid of that curse, until we accept his blood sacrifice and remove that curse from our lives, we will always be forever entwined with death. Yeah. 
but now the part a fugitive and a wanderer shall you be in the earth. What does that tell me? Uh, is this saying that our home was with God and that we're now in the earth because of our sin? Uh, I mean, we are a fugitive. I'm a fugitive is someone trying to escape the law. So, so this is, this is Cain es- trying escaping the law, but still under the law. I mean, essentially, he's saying you're a fugitive. You're you're running from the law constantly, but you're never going to get away from it. it it's always going to haunt you. Um, and I think that's a picture: the law, the Torah, the perfect instructions of God. Cain is a fugitive. He's running from the law. Wherever he goes, death follows. Um, if a fugitive is caught, judgment is swift and permanent. Uh, he's he's sort of like continually on the run, so to speak. And us too, we are a fugitive. Now, we're also a wanderer. We have no permanent home here, just like Cain. He's a wanderer. He can't stay in one place. It'll die. Uh, now, I've always thought of us and the parallel to to you and me listening right now, I've always thought of us as being strangers in this land and heaven being our home. And this is a temporary environment. It's not our true home. But I thought about it in kind of a glorious way. Like I am a displaced child of the king. I am going to go home to my royal throne. You know, right now I am a, uh, I'm royalty on this planet. This, and and I'm not saying that's untrue. I'm saying we also have to understand that it should also be seen in the sense that I'm a murderer escaping justice. Yep. And uh, we need to understand both. Uh, again, we've mentioned this before and, and we'll mention it again thousands of times. We need to understand both how loved we are and how worthless we are. We yep. need to understand we deserve death. We are a fugitive and a wanderer. And by the way, mention of a fugitive and a wanderer is said again by Cain in Genesis 14. We'll get to that much later, but it's repeated. Uh, We need to understand that we are Cain and we are murderers and we are, we're, we're on this world as royal ambassadors spreading his gospel spreading his light but we also need to understand well we're here in the first place because we're murderers and the connection that you were also suggesting between uh cain here and uh satan Mm -hmm. um satan is described as a wanderer on the earth yes to and fro on the earth Mm -hmm. he is also a fugitive yes Kicked out of heaven, or kicked out of heaven, very much to so. To be cursed for the for eternity, and we know that uh, eventually um, he will be a fugitive no longer. He will have to answer for his crimes. Um, so, so the the this dreadful thought is just now occurring to me. We try to compare ourselves to Jesus as much as possible, but you're right. We also have to then make the other connection. We're very much like our nature is very much like Lucifer as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which which is the glorious thing. It's why we have to understand that. We've mentioned it before in this podcast. Uh, 
when we understand how worthless we are and how much deserving of death we are, his, the price he paid for us becomes so much more glorious and so much more worthy of our devotion and our love. And we appreciate it so much more and love him so much more because of it than if we think we just deserved it. And it's just part of the process. A very simplified comparison is you don't appreciate medicine if you don't realize you're sick. Yeah. If you realize you're sick, but there is a cure, there is a medication, you appreciate the medication so much more. Mm-hmm. Very simplified but uh, comparison, but that's what it is. Right now, if you are walking through life not realizing that your sin is a disease, you are sick, you are dying, it's terminal. Yeah. If you don't realize this, then you're never going to appreciate that there is a medication. Now, on that note, I am going to finish. I'm going to do one more verse very briefly. Genesis 4.13. And we're going to end here today. I already think we've gone on probably too long. Uh, we're a little over an hour. That's oh, not okay. so bad. Not too bad. And Cain said unto Yahweh, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Guys, this is prophecy. This is prophecy right here. Cayenne is prophetically stating for the entire human race. The punishment is more than I can bear. This is why we need a savior. We can't do it on our own. The wages of sin is death. He just made a prophetic utterance. We can't do it. We can't bear it. It's more than I can bear. I can't handle this. I can't fix this. I can't do it on my own. That's why we need to see where we are. We need to answer these questions for ourselves. The questions are, what have you done? And every other question God has asked him, where is your brother And Cayenne says, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Yes, it is. That's why Jesus bore it for us. I think that's a good place to end this. Brad? Yeah. Got any other thoughts? No, let's end it with that. That is spot on. As always, this is Scott. And this is Brad. And this is not about us.